imagine you're sitting in the warmth of the day, enjoying your surroundings. It's sunny with beautiful blue skies. You're sitting beneath a palm tree, awaiting the company of others. You are Deborah, a leader, a prophet, a judge, a mother, and an example for your community. People look to you for answers, for direction, and for a word from God. Deborah translates from Hebrew as bee. Just as bees follow their leader in a swarm, those Israelites follow sages and prophets like like Deborah to teach them. They want to follow them. Bees can also remind us of God's word, of the Bible. A bee sting is painful, but honey is sweet. Just like God's word will sting those who don't follow his commands, but will bless those who live life righteously. They will have a sweet reward. Deborah has led, led God's people and shared his truth. Your community comes to find you sitting beneath this palm tree, a symbol of fairness, openness, and divine wisdom. They look to you to find something the world can never supply, can never offer. They're looking for intimacy with the Lord, a truth that many cannot articulate. Where are our Debras today? Do you see them? Do you see them in your life, in your communities? Where are our Debras today leading us, guiding us, bringing us closer to God? The world in the book of Judges, where we've been now for the last number of weeks, is filled with years of isolation, of hurt, of questions, and of evil, followed by these moments and these these seasons of repentance, of, of forgiveness, and of God's faithfulness, and of his peace and of a general peace in the, in the environment. Today, we're living in a broken world. It's been broken for a while. We're consumed by isolation, by questions, by disarray, confusion, and temptation. Our villages have once again done evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as we've seen throughout the entire book of Judges that we've studied so far. The beginning of Deborah, Uh, Judges chapter 4 says, After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Heresheth Hagoim. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Just as we see in Judges, our world has once again done evil in the eyes of the Lord. There has been a war set against our families, against our communities, against our children, our schools, our governments. We have returned to a season like that of Deborah and of the Israelites. The Israelites, like we just read, have been sold to Jabin from the army of Sisera. They've been sold to an unknown uh, group of people, an unknown government, an unknown culture. The Israelite villages themselves were quiet. They were empty. They were long shut down. 
They were faced, the Israelites were now faced with cruelty and oppression from the armies of Sisera. Sisera itself translates to mean keen, swift, opposing Gentiles and offering oppression. This is the world that, that our ancestors are now are seen living in. The army of Sisera was not a nice place. The land of Sisera was not a nice place. The Israelites cried out to God. In their need, they looked for, for God's hand. They looked for God's direction. We find some issue here that and, and you know, they lived in a peace. They lived in peaceful times for so many years, but in those moments, they never looked to God. They've only looked to God now in their need. They looked for God's direction in their most challenging, most needy, needy moments. God does provide. God provides Deborah, this wonderful woman uh, who is preaching God's word, who's sharing God's messages to, her, to the people. She's one of the few women to be a prophet, the only female judge, and besides Samuel, uh, who is known as a highly honored and recognized leader through the Bible, uh, besides him, she's the only other person to carry both titles, both titles of uh, uh, prophet and judge. She has been placed at a high place of honor, of leadership. Deborah rose to the challenge of leading and encouraging her community. God called her, he chose her, and gave her his plan. Deborah said yes. Deborah rose up. In this season of suffering Israelite, for the Israelites, Deborah called upon Barak. As we continue uh, in Judges 4 here, we see that uh, Deborah has now been uh, heard from God, heard his messages, calls on Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kedesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands." God shared this plan with Deborah. And now Deborah is confident and is aware that she needs to share this with, with Barak. Barak, uh, as we'll learn as we go here, is the leader of the Israelite army. He seems strong, powerful. He's the one you go to when you have a problem. He's motivated to help the people. Interpreted, in fact, interpreted from Hebrew, Barak means lightning. Lightning bolt to us is very powerful, very strong, uh, a, a symbol of strength and, and defense. But in Judges 4, 6 to 8, as we just sort of read there, Barak is, is, is offered this role. He's called upon by Deborah to take the army, to defend the Israelites, to save the people. But in verse 8, Barak says to Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Barak questions that call. Barak questions the call of God and the, the, the faith that he has and knows is lacking. He doesn't trust that God is before him. 
He doesn't trust that God has a plan, that he will lure uh, Sisera to this river. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't trust. That trust is gone. He begs Deborah to join them in this fight. He required her godly influence to encourage him. He needed her divine wisdom to guide him. Barak, intimidated by this word, allowed the enemy to whisper lies into his mind and into his heart. He has confidence in Deborah and in her faith and, and trusts her, but personally lacks it himself. He's lost his faith and his trust in the Lord. Because he lacked faith, Deborah goes on and says, very well, I will go with you, but because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kedesh, where he summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. The honor will not be Barak's. It will be placed into the hands of a woman. God will take control and do something wonderful, but Barak will not get the glory and the honor of winning this battle because he has lacked trust in God. His faith has faltered. It would still be God's plan, and God will see it through in his way. God restored Barak's power. Even though Barak falters with his faith, God restores that power. God responds to our challenges with his power. He meets us in our weakness with his power. He will draw out, he will drown out the evil and the lies to fill us with his truth. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, we are encouraged to stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist. You can't see it today as I'm sitting down, but I'm wearing a belt, which doesn't happen very often. But I have a belt around my waist um, in honor of this, this verse here. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. This is from a section of, of scripture where Paul is talking to us about wearing armor, wearing the armor of God. And he chooses to start with the idea of truth, the belt of truth. This is the number one thing. His first thing, the most important thing is to put a belt of truth around your waist. We require the truth of God to be our number one to be our foundation. And this related back to, to Roman times when a Roman soldier would wear a belt in order to put his sword into his belt. If he didn't have that sword, he couldn't defend himself. He did, had no foundation, no leg to stand on. He had no weapon. That belt was extremely important. And it is extremely important for you and I to put on that belt of truth around our waist to have our foundation be so secure on God and on his word, on his Bible. Put on your belt of truth, be rooted in God's word and let it serve for your foundation. Let it serve as your foundation. This is where Barak is standing. He's sort of faltering and losing that belt of truth and he's, he's using Deborah to hold him up. Deborah's faith, Deborah's trust to hold him up. He's then told uh, in, 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 in Deborah's and in the word of God, um, he's told to take your team to Mount Tabor. 
to be cleansed and purified. Mount Tabor is actually known as a place. That's where you go. That's where you go first to, to be cleansed, to focus, on, to focus on God. This would give the army an opportunity to place God's plan ahead of their own. They were given time to pray, to worship, and cleanse their thoughts to align with the plan of God. This was their number one, number one step. Focus on the truth of God. Focus on Him. The Lord's plan is always better. In our own strength, we will lose. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you don't know that verse, it's from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Judges 4, verse 15, we can see God's might, God's strength. We can do all things. Barak in this moment is thinking, I can't do this. I'm intimidated. I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to take these men into battle with chariots and fire and, and this huge army, and we're going to lose. This is the reality of our human thoughts. We can't see God's amazing plan. Barak is thinking, I'm going to lose. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So in Judges 4.15, we see this might. We see God's strength. The Lord routed Sisera. So Judges 4.15 says, The Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera abandoned his chariot and fled on foot. So he routed the entire army, the army of Sisera, all his chariots and the army by the sword. And Sisera, the person, abandoned his chariot. He's the leader. And he fled on foot. He didn't stay with his army. He fled on foot. We don't know in this in this uh, verse exactly, how did God root the army? How did he move them or make them falter? So if we turn over to chapter uh, 15, 15, <laughs> chapter five, let's try that again. Chapter five, uh, the account continues. This story continues and we can understand what this routing means. In uh, the beginning of, of chapter five, verse four and five, and then again later in verse, um, I apologize, in verse, um, later on, I can't find it at this moment. Um, so he continues and he describes it and says, um, the Lord made the earth shake, the heavens pour, the mountains quake, the roads were abandoned as Judges continues. Like I said, later on in, in Judges chapter 5, God, we see that God makes the heavens and the stars fight against Sisera's army. The river of Kishon, the river where he said that, where God said he would send the army of Sisera, the river rose up and swept the army away. Before Barak's army and the Israelite army had to do anything, the, the Sisera, the bad guys, were swept away. God's mighty hand interrupted the enemy's plans. The enemy's plan says they're coming and they want to defeat us and they want to torture us and they want to send all their evil to make us question our truth, our foundation. But God says, my mighty hand is stronger and I have a plan. He rose up that river and destroyed the army. The leader of the army, Sisera, fled the scene, runs, 
And that's where we'll pick up here in a minute. The army itself has been destroyed. There is no more fight. Sisera, the man, has run on foot to a nearby tent where he meets uh, a woman named Jael. Jael, the, the, the name, the word, means one who ascends. The idea of a mountain goat. The one who ascends like a mountain goat. She can overcome much. She can climb. She can overcome the most difficult obstacles. Think of that mountain goat who can climb up crazy mountains, crazy rocks, boulders, and still get to the top. Still get there. Still complete its journey. Sisera comes to Jael and is invited into her family tent to hide from Barak and from the Israelites and to rest. He's tired. He's just faced this incredible loss. He comes to hide and rest, thinking he will be safe here. But remember, at the beginning of, of chapter 4, Deborah shares, the honor will go to a woman. The honor, the glory of, of winning this battle will go to a woman. We see Jael now welcoming the leader of Sisera, or Sisera, the leader of the army, into her tent. The idea of a tent reminds us of the sanctuary of God. On the, other, on the flip side, Sisera and the, the army represents for us the enemy, the evil. Jael is welcoming the evil, the enemy, into her sanctuary. At first, that might think, well, that's what we don't want to happen. We don't want the enemy inside of us. But the story continues. So she welcomes him in. We'll, we'll start off on, uh, we'll continue here on chapter 4, verse uh, 18. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she put a covering over him. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone here? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quickly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. This story sounds extremely crazy and emotional and, and something we, we wouldn't necessarily look to find <laughs> written in, in God's word and for me to talk about today. But we'll pick back up on those, those things that Jael used to, to fight and to defeat her enemy. That tent is her sanctuary. That is where she feels whole and, and amazing. She's invited that enemy in. She provides him with milk. Instead of water, that would just be refreshing. She provides milk. The idea of milk is that we, are, we have provision from scripture. Scripture is said to be uh, our life-giving milk. Just as a baby drinks, drinks milk from their mother, the Bible is, sustains us. God's word sustains us. It provides the comfort. And in providing milk to Sisera, they provide comfort and they, he, they lulled her. 
JL lulled him to sleep. He was comfortable. He was cozy. She then provides a rug or a blanket, something over him. Some translations are different. So now he's cozy in this blanket. That idea of blanket rub rug is to show us that God embraces us. His hand, his love, his power is right there in her sanctuary. We then see these, these everyday things in a tent, a peg and hammer. A peg, we have some prophetic words about a peg. In Isaiah 54 verse 2, it says this, Enlarge the site of your tent, your sanctuary. Let your curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. JL, do not hold back. That's how I'm, I read this. JL, do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs in deep. We know from this uh, prophecy that there is a peg and we need to drive it deep, whether literally or figuratively. The hammer represents the word of God. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, we're told, does not my word burn like fire? God's Bible, God's truth. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a hammer that smashed the rocks to pieces? The hammer is strong. The Bible is strong like nothing else. So JL picks up the peg and picks up the hammer and and drives it deep within Sisera. She uses the prophecy of driving something deep within, within, within Sisera, within the enemy, and uses the hammer, God's word, to make it come true. They drive this, she drives this peg into his head, and that is the exact place where evil thought, where temptations, where meditations of this world are have planted, have rooted deep within our thoughts, our, our livelihoods, our emotions, right within the center of our brain are all of these attacks, attacks from the enemy. In this story, Sisera is the enemy. I don't know what your enemy is, but it's right there, right there in your, in your head whispering lies to you every minute. We have driven, we have to. JL has driven deep the word of God directly into the place where evil dwells. God has overcome the world. It is time for us as children of God to rise up, to pick up that peg to pick up the idea of driving something deep, pick up the word of God, burying it deep within our thoughts, within our feelings, within our hearts, and within our actions. It's time to take back God's ground and to remind the world of his truth. If this God's word is buried deep, like that peg within our minds and within our hearts and within all of our days, then our truth and our foundation is on him. That is the belt of truth. And that is what Deborah has. And that is what Barak so desperately needs. 
Through every circumstance that life throws at us, strength comes from God. We have seen God do a great work. It is now time to recognize his rule over us, his plan for us, for our lives, and his longing for us to know him, not just in our moments of need and our moments of desperation, but in the moments of grace, in the moments of celebration, in the moments where you're feeling your best. From best to worst, God is there. And God wants you to plant this, his word and his truth and his Bible, whatever you want to call it, deep within your hearts. It's time to become a Deborah in your homes, in your communities, in your families, workplaces, and all over the world. Instead of siloing your, your life into this is church and this is family and this is et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's all God. It's time to be Deborah in all of it. May we rise up to climb the highest mountains, fight in the lion's den, and overcome nations with God's word. We need to display a willingness to use the gifts that God has entrusted to us in order to nurture others and strengthen others in their faith. Deborah was such a woman. She used her strengths of encouragement, of discipleship, of teaching, of loving people. She used that to encourage others. She used all of the gifts that God has given her to lead an army to their success, to defeat the enemy. She used God and God's love and truth to defeat an enemy. Are you willing to let God use you? Are you willing to take the next steps to plant his truth deep within you, to put on that, that belt of truth every day? Pastor Gary asked me before I started recording, what would you say, you know, what do you, what do, you do when you wake up in the morning then? When I wake up every morning, what am I supposed to do? Realistically, how do, I, how do I remember this? How do I make God a part of my life every day? And the simple, the simple thing is you wake up and you read his word. You read this thing called the Bible, whether it's a whole chapter, whether it's one verse, but you put it to heart. Those verses that I talked about today about um, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us about putting on that belt of truth. Verses like that that are easy to remember, remember them. Put them to heart. Make them a part of your everyday. Put them up on your wall. Put post-its around your car. Make it a part of who you are and choose every day to put God in all of your actions, in all of your thoughts. Drive that peg deep within your head within your heart of God's word. God, I thank you today. I thank you that we get to, to honor you and praise you. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to rise up, to, to do something amazing for you. God, I pray all of the gifts and all of the things that, that you have each individual who's listening today or listening um, at any moment, Lord God, I pray that you would help them develop that skill, that passion. God, now is the time to listen to those dreams and those visions and those prayers, Lord God. I pray that, that you would give us all of the wonderful things that you have in store for us.
God, open up doors, open up opportunities to, to use the gifts that you've given us. Jesus, may you light a way, light a fire within us, open up those doors and make a change. God, may we each be Deborah's. Whether we're male or female, God, I pray that you would instill something in us to be those prophets, to be those teachers and encouragers that those around us so desperately need. God, may we mentor a future of, of, of children and of your followers, God, that know you more, that love you more. And God, would we be the way to knowing you. God, may you use our actions and our words and our heart to do something amazing, to spread your love, to spread your power, and ultimately talk about your truth. Jesus, plant your word deep within all of our hearts. And Jesus, I thank you that you've given us women like Deborah to learn from, women like JL to learn from, and people like Barak to learn from. God, they all have something amazing to share with us. God, that may your truth pierce through all of the enemy's lies that settle within our brains, that settle within our hearts. God, your love and your truth are bigger than that. God, I just feel like someone needs to hear that today. Whatever lie you're hearing, whatever temptation or addiction or whatever it is that lies deep within you, God is bigger than that. God can pierce through and break apart that, that lie and that addiction and that enemy that's inside of you. Jesus, I thank you for that truth and I thank you for all of the wonderful things you're gonna do this week. God, in your name we pray, amen. Thank you.